0: him be less stressed about the administrative part that he has to do, because somebody else has stepped into that role, I think that has been good for me, because I don't have to see him be frustrated, and he's not to be encouraged through it. You can't do it. It's a waste of words.
1: When did you learn that lesson?
0: Mm, see, we'll be married 31 years in July, so about 31 years ago. <laughs>
2: This is Big C, Little C, a podcast from Current Church in Franklin, Indiana, where we explore how the local church fits in with the global church and how the kingdom is at work on a local level. Current Church meets on Sunday nights at 6 at The Gear in Franklin and exists to encounter God, equip the church, and engage the world. We believe that whatever God is going to accomplish in this world, He is going to do through the church Big C. These are our stories and the testimony of the power of God in everyday lives. Find out more at currentchurch.net or look for us on Facebook and Instagram. Now here's your host, Jeremy.
1: Hey, thanks for listening. Today's episode is a good lesson. And just because I haven't had you on the podcast yet, doesn't mean I haven't thought about you coming on the podcast. So hit me up. Paula Feasel. It's been a long time coming. I knew this was going to be a good one. As it turns out, this is going to be a multi-parter. Here in... Part one. Yes, we talk about her in relation to frontman Gene as his helpmate and his supporter, and what that journey has been like. Um, in the subsequent episodes, maybe uh, we will get more into Paula, who Paula is as an individual, and I look forward to bringing that to you. I would like to thank Ernie Fiesel for the hug last sunday night at the gathering that was my first hug since early march uh there is social distancing happening though at the gear sunday nights if you have not yet been out it is safe but as always only come if and when you are comfortable or comfortable let's get into paula's story now thanks for listening We don't call you pastor too much around these parts. Nope. But if Gene's the front man, are you the front girl? Are you Mrs. Frontman? Are you Pastor Petey?
0: Nope, none of this. Are you? Uh,
1: henceforth from here, you shall be referred to as what? How about just Paula? We could do that. Yeah. Where did Petey originate?
0: Um, When I was a little kid, I was very much a tomboy and Paula was kind of feminine. So uh, it evolved into actually just Pete first. And as I got a little older, I had a friend named Steve that dubbed me Petey. And when Gene came on the scene when we were in our late teen years, uh, Steve and Jean became friends, and then he kind of
1: adopted the Petey. No kidding? Yeah, no kidding. I thought it was a Gene creation.
0: It's not a Gene creation. So he's about the only one, besides Steve, that still calls me Petey, but... Uh, I'll
1: answer to it. So, so that was going to be my next question. Who all in your life can call you Petey? Anyone. You get by with anybody. Anyone, yeah.
0: Because yeah. <laughs> that's kind of the way it was when I was a kid. Wow. Most people didn't call me Paula. They would call me either P or Petey. So, but yeah, strange enough.
1: I did not know that. Well, in these trying times, church has looked a little different for us. And change can be exciting on some level. It's mm-hmm. been... It's been hard not to see everybody and hard not to give hugs, although Ernie gave me a hug on Sunday. yeah, not I wasn't sure too. what to do with that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what has it been like from your perspective to not be with the family but have to be in leadership and be in ministry in a different way? What kinds of things maybe you've learned from that?
0: Um, I am not a people person. I like small groups of people. One-on-one is better. Um, but I have missed people. I've missed being around the body as a whole on Sunday nights um, as more than I thought I would, honestly. Um, it was weird having church in our living room with the online deal going on, you know, all that came with that. There were times it wouldn't load. There were times that it would, you know, start over at 45 seconds. All the stresses (laughs) that come with that. You know, he's Gene's madly texting back and forth with Craig, like, you know, what do we do? What do we do? So, and then, you know, watching him just turn on, and the thought of that gives me, like, anxiety that you would have to be, like, On the spot to do something. I like to prepare and know what I'm doing ahead of time to a certain extent. Some things I like to wing, but that would not be one of them.
1: We were talking earlier about the differences in personality. I am much more of a not people person like you. Mm -hmm. I did miss people. Mm -hmm. So, in in talking about personality types and maybe Gene being more on the fly and you more of a preparer, what would be some things? With you two that do intersect, where you do find common ground, like, yeah, I—that's the way I am. I feel the same yeah. way, or that's the way I think about such and such.
0: I think the probably the most obvious is that we both follow Jesus, and we have a lot of the same philosophies on what that looks like as far as relationship versus religion, and um, I think probably at heart we're both conservative in that regard, yeah. and most people think the opposite when they see us because of, you know, tattoo, different color hair, the way we dress, whatever, until they get to know you and then you realize that you are conservative, you are maybe um uh, traditional um, on those things, you know, um, unmoving on the things that the Bible says to be unmoving on. And um, maybe that's where it ends. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I mean, you, know.
1: you obviously are a good pair and have I, been for a long time. It cl- right, clearly right. works.
0: I mean, it clearly works. I think probably because um, I'll throw this back to like my childhood, I'm the second of two children. Uh, my sister uh, she's three years older than me. She's a type A personality, strong personality, um, stubborn as a child, had a temper, that sort of thing. And so coming up with that kind of personality that, you know, was happy to like say what she said, what she thought just without filter sometimes. I think that maybe I was... Complete. I don't know if I was drawn to that personality, but fitting well with that personality, I think it is a good fit between Jean and I because I'm just used to that. Um, and I know I know how to deal with that. And I know how to love people that have a type A personality um, because that was my sister and I. And I think my mom is also a type A personality. So, you know, dealing with that um my mom's very much a people person. My sister's not as much a people person, but my mom definitely is. So um, we all have strong opinions. Um, I might not. A lot of things roll off my back, but if I want it bad enough, I'm going to stand up for it. So mm-hmm. if it matters to me, I'm going to fight to the death for it. So um, so sometimes June and I clash on that, but, you know, not that often. We do always usually work it out and come to terms, so...
1: Well, I'm going to skip ahead because you're taking us there. Okay. Um, Being married to a a large personality. Has it been a process for you to self-actualize or to find your identity both in adulthood and and in ministry.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah.
1: In that scenario. Yeah.
0: Um, To a certain extent, I was raised in church. My parents were away from church for a short period of time, especially my dad. Um, My mom, my grandparents, you know, we'd go to church together, that sort of thing. Um, But just as a member, we were never like super active in the church. Um, My dad became... Um, recommitted his life to the lord when I was I had just turned 16 mm. and I mean he's never looked back he's you know was has been a deacon been a board member um, just active participant in church that sort of thing but it was kind of a new um, thought to me to be married to a guy that was called into the ministry you know it was a little scary um, I don't know what I thought it was but it's not anything I thought it was honestly <laughs> it's just, it doesn't seem hard. I mean, any any career path, any job you have, you deal with people to some extent, you know? And so when you just get that in your head that you're dealing with people, and people are messy, it doesn't matter what line of work you're in. There's feelings and emotions, and, you know, f- faith in, in Jesus, relationship with Jesus is all emotion. You know, it's all a feeling because he's not— a real tangible person beside you, you know, so you do have to learn how to deal with people's feelings a little bit more when you're in the ministry. Um, and I think that I am a little bit more intuitive to how a person's feeling than maybe my counterpart is a little cause, um, you know, I'm just, I think I'm just a more sensitive person to yeah. that sort of thing. Um, have a little more empathy, sympathy, all of those things. And, um, so another reason that that makes us a good pair. Mm -hmm. We balance each other. Um, I'm not a super emotional person, but I do feel like I have a lot more empathy and sympathy for people when they're experiencing something than maybe Gene does. So we balance each other well.
1: So I'm going to ask you this. Um, When we first started coming to Current, Mm -hmm. having already stated that I can identify with your personality a little bit more, um, one thing that I remember was kind of wondering, am I supposed to worship like everybody else is worshiping? If I see my pastor on the front row going crazy, mm-hmm. is that expected of me? You are a more reserved True. worshiper. I'm sure it's in spirit and truth and, mm-hmm. and authenticity and yes. all of that. Is that something that you have maybe, I'll admit, I've I've struggled with that. I At think, current, have you?
0: I think everybody that worships in a more quiet manner has those questions like, okay. should I be worshiping bigger. Mm -hmm. But I think that as a person that, that's how I live my life. I'm not like some crazy bounce around like gesticulating person. That's not me. You know, I do talk with my hands, but right in front of me. And I'm not going to like, I'm not going to a ball game and jump up and down and do the dumb cheers. I might do the wave, but, um, you know, (laughs) I'm not going to do that stuff in any area of my life. And I don't think God requires those things that are outside of your personality on the regular once in a while, you know. You've been in church probably long enough to sure. to know that that person that was super quiet and everything, and then they have a moment and the Holy Spirit comes on them and they just, oh, yeah. you know, they're doing things that you've never seen them do as far as because they're just caught up in worshiping the Lord, you know, and I've had those moments myself. But so as I've gotten older and, you know, seen more and done more and, you know, developed my own ideas about who I am um, in the Lord, especially I haven't. I don't have those feelings so much anymore that I should be doing this and, you know, I should be bouncing around like Jean bounces around. Well, I'm not going to do that, you know. So I, it's not because I'm being stubborn. It's just because I'm worshiping within my personality, you know, and we're all different on so many levels from the way we look, the way our personalities are. I mean, just on any number of things, we're different. So why can't we worship the Lord within our personality.
1: I like that because if not at current, then where can you be yourself? Exactly, and, exactly. And, and worship in meaningful way to you. And I think there is actually unity in that. I'm glad you said what you said because I think that's it's good for people to hear. There's unity within that, mm-hmm. within the freedom to be yourself. Exactly,
0: and, and that's what it is. It's the freedom to be yourself. It doesn't mean that you come to current and it's loud music and the lights are off and their smoke is going and the lights are flashing. And so we then we all have to look the same. And that's not what the freedom current is, is the freedom is to be who you are, you know, who God designed you to be. And, you know, he gave us a certain kind of personality, each and every one of us. So, you know, just work within that.
1: And that said, it has been a place that has stretched me and that's been good as well. So I think there's good balance there. That's something I've always wanted to ask you. Right on. If <laughs> This is uh, this episode, by the way, two years of Big Sea Little C as of this month.
0: Right. Two um, years.
1: Wow. So we shouldn't have waited two years to bring you in. I didn't want to. I was trying to space out my feasals. Right
0: on. There's so. a lot of, there's a lot of us, you know? <laughs> yeah.
1: So. so that's why we're finally getting around to uh, Paula Feasel here on the Big Sea Little C podcast. So much I could ask you, you referred earlier to knowing Gene since
0: 19, no, 1987, right after we had both graduated from high school. Okay. His dad moved to my home church to pastor in August of, August, September of that year. So we met after high school.
1: And he had already been called to the ministry.
0: Yes, he was, uh, actually, his parents came and tried out, and they had mom, dad, all three boys with them, and then they voted him in, but then they came back to Indiana and moved him to... Bible college in Louisiana, and then moved to Ohio. So he oh, wow. didn't actually come with them. Okay. To on the initial move, he was away in school, his freshman year in college, and so I didn't officially like really get to know him till Christmas break that year. Or so of 1987.
1: 87. So my feasible journey begins in like '95, at Lakeview. Yeah. Yeah. You, were, you were already married. We were for a married. While.
0: Yeah, we've been married for about six years when we came to Lakeview.
1: And he had the long hair at your wedding, right?
0: Uh, yes,
1: it was a mullet. <laughs> it was awesome, it was a
0: snowy blonde mullet. So,
1: so. so. There was the music aspects, yeah. but he was an ordained minister at a very young age, right? In he, the AG?
0: Yeah, he was. He um, did his four-year degree, um, first year at Jimmy Swaggart Bible mm-hmm. College, last three years at C- uh, Central Bible College in Springfield, yeah. Missouri, which is now defunct. Rest in peace. And, right. And, um, so we, I went there for a year, um, his sophomore year, my freshman year at CBC, and then we got married in July of 89 and went back, and he finished his last two years as married students. Wow! So we came home. After he graduated, we went home to Ohio, and his parents were still pastoring my home church at that time. So my parents, his parents were all in Ohio. He's looking for a youth pastor job. And he applied to, within the Ohio district, lots of places. We interviewed several places, one church in Indiana, and I was hoping that that would just go right. away. Sure, yeah. We'd just stay in Ohio. And um, don't you know that God took us to the Indiana listing. That was in Angola. So way up north, we were there for not quite two and a half years. And then we went down to Madison. Yeah. So from one end of the state to the other. And we were there a very short period of time, like 16 days, short period of time. Oh. And our senior pastor had called Gene in his office and said, uh, I know, you know, When you interviewed and we hired, I said I had no plans to leave. But he had, in his younger years, um, he pastored at Lakeview Church on the west side of Indy. And Tom Pano was a senior pastor, was trying to retire. And on his recommendation, the board reached out to Ron Bontrager, our pastor in Madison, about coming up there to take over the church's senior pastor. So that was 16 days after we moved. We weren't unpacked yet. I was a middle of winter. We were both sick when we moved, so we oh. barely even had, like, clothes unpacked. And um, the day we moved, our dog bit the pastor's son on the hand. So that was, it was a really exciting period of time. This first two weeks. And then we get this. So we're just like, well, what do we do? You know, we just wait. Because within the assemblies, like, it's common courtesy. So if you get a new senior pastor, all staff pastors will tender resignation. And the pastor can choose to take it or not take it. So we didn't know what job security would look like for us. We had just moved and done all this stuff. After he started his his process and through prayer and stuff like that, he felt like that he wanted to bring us with him to Lakeview. And in July of that year, so we had only been there from January 1st to the end of July, so like seven-ish months, seven and a half months, um, and we came to Indianapolis with him. We are on staff at Lakeview for about a year, and Jean's heart was really pulled towards the band. Mm-hmm. And it was really hard to manage, Lakeview's a large church, had a large youth group. It was hard to manage that and be gone so much with the band. And so some hard conversations um, went down between our pastor, um, Pastor Bondrager and Jean, and the two of us, and we really felt like God was like opening the door. It was one of those if not now when things, yeah. you know, we were young, we didn't have children, our debt was very very low. It was the perfect time to do it, and God opened doors for me to get a good job. Gene had a job um, lined up for when he was in town, and so he took the plunge. Um, we bought our first little house there in on Rockville and Holt. Um,
1: I was there once? If it's the one I'm thinking of,
0: it, it, it's right there on okay. the corner. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um, busy, busy intersection. Um, we lived there for about, I think, about five and a half years. Loved the little place, even though the neighborhood was a little sketchy at, at the time. Not so much when we moved, but when there, but when we were getting ready to move away, you know, we're like seeing some things happen across the street. We're like, mm, maybe it's time to go because Tabor We had Tabor at that point, yeah. and he was. Three and a half when we moved away from there. So we were ready to move to, like, a little more chill area instead of right in the inner city, the urban area there. So, um, yeah. So just this whole weird process of, you know, God taking us to a place that maybe I thought we didn't want to go initially. And then, um, you know, we hooked up with Ron Bontrager in Madison. We came to Indianapolis with them and all of these doors just started opening. And if you look at it, like if you laid it out on a timeline, like chronologically, you could see that if we had just missed one thing, so many things in our life would be different. And directly, I know that God brought our son Tabor into our life through adoption because we came to Indianapolis with the Bontragers, you know, so we just look at that big story. And we think, you know, the child that we have, that we prayed for for years is because we were obedient to God and did these moves that were hard. You know, he grew up in a pastor's home, Gene did. So he understood that moving thing, like relationships and what that looks like when you move. I grew up in the house that my dad moved into when he was 15. I'd never moved in my life. You know, my mom got married and moved across the street. So this is not a thing that my family does very much. My sister got married and moved across the street beside my grandmother. <laughs> so, when I got married, I moved four states away to a pastor that was moving me all over the place. In the first 10 years we got we were married, we moved 12 times. Mm. For a girl that grew up in the same house that her dad moved into at 15, the neighborhood her mom moved into at 4, it was Stressful to move, but I knew, I knew, I knew if I listened to what God said, that He would have only His best blessings for us and it's proved out over the years time and time and time again so
1: you've been at hannah for what
0: we have been there 19 years the end of april was 19 years that's
1: a little more your speed that's (laughs) my speed right there (laughs) yeah Yeah, exactly so if i'm not mistaken ron bond i call him ron Ron
0: bond um
1: also was instrumental in the start of current church as well right was he he he
0: was very encouraging you know like you know we count him just, I mean, so, such an important person in our lives. We learned so much from him and Doreen. Um, the time that we were with them in Madison, and then the time that we were not only on staff at Lakeview, but as just, you know, a parishioner at Lakeview. After he, Gene, stepped down from staff, we decided um, to stay. And just do what we could there. You know, we were involved in college and career and nursery. And and I worked in the, um, the school, the daycare for a while oh, really? um, okay. in the office. And so, you know, we just that was our home yeah. base. And we wanted to do what we could to, you know, be involved and be part of that. So, yeah, he... Um, you know jean talked to a couple people about planting church and to me in my head it just felt like it was going to be this big hard thing that was going to be a dredge and you know like how do you make something out of nothing but you know we didn't make anything out of anything god made it out of something you know and it was so organic and so naturally developing and we just we were kind of with a group of friends at the time that were a little bit displaced from a church body. Mm-hmm. Relationship with the Lord, fine. No problems there, you know, and um, still talking to people about Jesus. And, you know, you don't have to bring your people to church to get them saved. You, you're supposed to do that yourself. Yeah, yeah. So, you know. Relationship with the Lord was fine, but I think, you know, coming together as a body is necessary, you know, and we were all this group of friends. We were, you know, young and old teenagers, um, people in their late 40s, early 50s, um, people like us that had elementary school kids at the time we just didn't have a body to worship in. And so Jean was reaching out to a couple people, David Delp, which was Jean's youth pastor as a teen, and Ron Bontrager, um, just talking to them about, you know, is this crazy? Mm -hmm. Is this something that me, Jean Fiesel, Paula Fiesel, can can we do this, you know? And well, strange enough, it was, we were already doing it. You know, we were having a Bible study at our house every Sunday night with, you know, 10 or 15 people. And uh, the last week that it that we are like, okay, we got to figure something out. We had 25 people, and Jeremy, you've been to my house. You know that 25 mm. people's kind of snug up, you know? And so one of the couples were um, Will and Amy Osgood of formerly Piper's fame, Piper's fame yes. <laughs> and they, I was working at Piper's at the time. And so them and their two daughters, Allison and Lindsay, they were teens at the time. They were same, kind of displaced, a couple coworkers from there. So we decided that we would just get together and have a Bible study. And it grew from there. And Will and Amy offered the use of the Pipers when they were at Maine and Ma- uh, Maine and 135. Sure,
1: with the uh, stacked, stacked pickle,
0: pickles. Yeah. yeah, they were there. They were a lunch place, Monday through Friday. So he's like, nothing happens on the weekend. You guys come, use the building. From there, it you know it grew. And then Pipers moved to Southport in 37. And then we started looking for a place of our own. And We were Franklinites, so we thought, let's look and see what's in Franklin. So, you know, we found the gear 1.0, you know, down on Monroe. You know, you know the history from there, right? So...
1: It's funny because um, it's not it's not Jeremy story time. But so, I long story short, we were at Lakeview when you guys were there, but not while you were their youth pastors. But you were my wife's youth pastor before that. So right. anyway, um, we got married at Lakeview. Ron Bond married us, and we thought we would be at Lakeview, but then we realized maybe that wasn't going to be home. So we mm-hmm. were kind of looking, and Doug Feasel was coming to town for a concert. Yeah, and I don't remember. It must have been Chuck Myers who um, alerted me to it. And said, Loner has a show south of Indianapolis. You guys should go. I yeah. think That's how it happened. We looked it up, and my wife and I were like, Wait a minute, is that a church? What is that? Is that just, we're trying to figure it out. So I clicked on it and went over to the church page, I think. And I was reading it, you know, said, This is a place where you can come be yourself. The bio said, he, The pastor even has tattoos. I'm thinking, Wait a minute. Wait is a minute. But <laughs> so, well, we didn't know. Yeah. We drove down for the show that night, walked in, saw Gene there. Didn't know he was a pastor. Didn't know what church. Fell yeah. Together, right? And and that was our home church and and I can't imagine having not been there for the last 10 years of my right. life. It's uh
0: shocking it's been that long.
1: It's I think we've been there 9.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: Crazy. Uh, the symmetry of all of that, and right?
0: Right. It's strange just, how, like, yeah. these giant circles just intersect upon each other, and then you're back in someone's life after an absence or whatever, you know. So it's
1: crazy. And and the trust of of knowing somebody and knowing who they know and who they've been to war with, yeah. And right, it's, it runs deep, and it's really cool. And now, as as the church is, um, we're not, we don't look like what we used to look like, and True. that's tough. And so. Let's take a break. When we come back, let's shift gears to current day, current church, as it were. Uh, This is Paula Fiesel. You're listening to the Big C, Little C podcast.
3: Hey, this is Gene, the front man at Current Church, and glad you found our podcast You can hit me up directly, uh, gene at currentchurch.net. Love to field any questions you might have regarding me or the church or anything that's happening there. So I hope you'll enjoy the podcast every time you get a chance to tune in. Hope you learn something from it. Hope you figure out a little bit more about who we are. If you ever want to visit us, you can find us at 230 Commerce Drive. We meet at The Gear in Franklin, 6 p.m. on Sunday nights. You can sleep in, come hang out on Sunday night. It's what I do. You can visit our website, currentchurch.net. We're on all the social medias. We're really not on all the social medias, but we are on Facebook and we are on Instagram. Instagram at currentchurchfranklin, Facebook slash currentchurch. This is my best radio voice. The NPR voice requires you to get really close. You have to get really close for the NPR voice.
2: This moment of relief brought to you by your local state farm agent, who also brings relief with all your auto insurance needs.
1: In Morgantown, call state farm agent Robert Jeffers today.
2: This is Big C, Little C, a podcast from Current Church.
1: what's it been like for you maybe I'll ask you specifically last year the sabbatical
2: uh-huh.
1: um, when we sprung you guys for a couple months and I saw the church really come together in your absence and uh-huh. I think Jean came back and said, you know I was hoping for clarity and vision yeah. and then I got a bunch of not clarity and not vision but right. you know I know I know you' all rested what do you think you personally got out of that time
0: uh, I think I personally got I mean for me actually, for me, mm-hmm. just a nice long vacation. <laughs> but in regards to what I, you know, which really does affect my life as well, the stress level that Gene was feeling, mm-hmm. um, he, he's not the administrative type. He doesn't like any of that stuff, not one tiny bit of it. And being a small church, there's no other staff, no secretaries, no anything. So it did kind of all fall on Gene to pay the bills, to do all the administrative part, you know, like, There's no toilet paper. Well, that fell on Gene. You know, there's no no one to organize this or organize that or cleaning or the the other organizations that met in our building. It all fell on him. It's not his strong suit. He doesn't like it. And it was weighing heavy on him up until that point. And so our absence for those eight weeks that we were gone, the elders stepped up and into those roles, which is often the case. When a hole is made... It has to be filled by some someone or something. And that's what happened. And those elders stepped into those roles and took over responsibilities, a lot of them administrative, that took a lot of stress and pressure off of him. So he says that he didn't gain any clarity or vision or anything for himself when he left. And that may be true, may not be true. Um, it might not be revealed at this point right. even still. Sure. Just a year later, it still might not be. Yeah. But I think that watching him be less stressed and less frustrated about the administrative part that he has to do because somebody else has stepped into that role to shoulder the weight of those things. I think that has been good for me because I don't have to see him be frustrated. And he's not to be encouraged through it. You can't do it. It's a waste of words.
1: When did you learn that lesson?
0: A long way? time ago. Okay. Like, mm, see, we'll be married 31 years in July, so about 31 years ago. He <laughs> <laughs> can't be talked into like having a better attitude. I'll just go pray for him because that always works. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> so anyway, um, so yeah, I think that's kind of what I learned and about it, what it did for me. We had a really nice time away, you know, we got to do a lot of stuff that on the norm we don't mm-hmm. necessarily get to do. We traveled a little, um, we visited a lot of family around the country, spent 2 weeks in sunny southern California when it was eh weather here in Indiana. We were riding motorcycles and going to the beach yeah. and sailing and all that fun stuff. So, it was very relaxing. It was it was hard to come back and face reality of where do we go from here sure. with, with current? You know, is Gene sticking around? Is Gene leaving? It, you know, are is God, you know, lifting mm-hmm. or is God impressing yeah. to stay or to go? You know, so that was the kind of thing. And I'm not sure that he's still 100 percent right. there, you know.
1: One thing that I think it was when he was in here last time that he mentioned about you was that you have the ability to believe 100% in the calling that's on your lives for this ministry and to to believe that you're where you belong and also support him if he's doubting it or even is feeling like it's been lifted or he's been called yeah, away True. how do you strike that balancing act between 100% but yet I'm with you.
0: I think, um, this might sound a little antiquated, old fashioned or not, but, um, my role as his help me is to support in the same, you know, we offer that back and forth to each other. And so I can come, I can arrive at an answer, a conclusion way before him. Mm. But if it's his decision to make, I need to like, just be supportive until he makes that decision. Um, or if, I'm not putting this very well, but I might know it before he knows it. But until he knows it, he can't do it. You can't live in it until you know it, till you feel it, and vice versa, you know? So I think probably the first time that I ever really like felt like God was saying, do something, was when... The call came for us. We were in Ohio, and I was banking on one of those positions in Ohio. But the call came for the church in Indiana. And I had an overwhelming, like, emotional feeling. Um, Head to toe, felt it. Like, emotions, I felt it. And I knew it was God saying that that is the place. And if you're willing to go, my blessings will go with you. And so that was the very first time I ever felt that I was like 21 years old. You know, it was I mean, I felt it like on my skin. I felt it. And um, I don't just cry for no reason, but I cried. It was bizarre. And a few other times I've known that that God says this is the road. And sometimes they're hard and ugly roads. You don't want to go down. It's dark. It's lonely. It's bumpy. It's. Not the road other people get. Other people get the, the broad, freshly paved highway with, you know, no obstructions. And your road is bumpy and potholes and dark. And he wants you to go on a scooter instead of in a sports car, you know. And um, But we have faced those enough to know that if you do what God says to do, God will take you on that bumpy road, on your scooter, alone in the middle of the night, poorly lit. And get you to the other side where the blessing lies. And then, in turn, have you turn around and look at the story that he brought you through and use it for somebody that's behind you coming up on the same bumpy road. So we've learned that so many times in life to know that whatever, like, you know, we had major infertility struggles. And... You know, everybody else, getting pregnant easy, having babies. Whoops, we're pregnant. Let's have another baby. And we just could not accomplish that within our means. It wasn't happening. And doctor visits and tests and drugs and all of that didn't happen. And, you know, we sat across a desk from our specialist on June 30th, 1995, and had him tell us that it just wasn't happening. There's no way that... He actually said, bar a miracle from the Lord, there's no way that you'll conceive a biological child. It's a, I mean, that's a benchmark day. No one wants to hear that stuff. Yeah. Especially when it's the one thing that you want, and you think it's going to be easy, and it's not. And it's outside of you. But then, you know, flash forward two years, two and a half years later, you know, we you know, meet our son's biological mother. She's pregnant. You know, she chooses us to put her baby with and you know we meet her 10 weeks later we have a newborn and someone anonymously paid our legal bills oh really yeah like we literally paid 53 dollars to adopt our child so many blessings in that over and over if you had like three years i could tell you all of that um but it was just totally god so i just keep thinking i could have that smooth highway and gotten pregnant and had child you know had a baby no big deal but I wouldn't have Tabor. I wouldn't have had that blessing, you know. We got to be there for his delivery. He was the best baby, the best toddler, tweener's we, you know, teenage years. I ship him to the moon, but you know, <laughs> I think everybody goes through that, but I mean, so I just think if you just follow what God has for you, good, bad, hard, whatever, he's going to bless you at the end of it. That's, we, we've seen it proven out in the 50 years I've been on this earth. I have seen it over and over and over more, more times than I could count.
1: I was going to ask you about adoption anyway. So this is a good time for that. Um, Since it was a desire of your heart, you'd probably prepared your heart to be a mother, but it happened so quickly. Right. So now this baby is, is in your hands.
0: Yeah. What were the early
1: days of that like?
0: It was interesting. Um, My sister had had kids before, you know, she's older than me. Um, I have cousins that are 15 years younger than me, first cousins. So I've been around babies my whole life. Gene, on the other hand, no babies. And um, his brothers both had infants. Tara was two, Michael was one, 11 months when Tabor was born. Girls, Gene's not really that interested in babies until recent years. No, not interested in little kids, mm-hmm. and especially not babies. So he had never changed a diaper, never fed a baby, not really ever held a baby. His brothers kind of forced their children <laughs> on him, like, here, hold this. And he's like, okay, hold, I'm done. Hold this. Right? You know, you met the feasles, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're weird and say inappropriate things. but
1: Must be a different family.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, you know... He wants to be a father, but he doesn't know what that's about, yeah. you know, and I'd cared for infants, you know, I was 15 when my nephew was born. So, you know, just hands on with that newborn infant. So he's like supportive and let's, let's do this, you know, all, everything up to the adoption. He was game for it. You know, we gotten literature from adoption agencies around, well, really around the world, but here in town in Indianapolis and, um, It's just a lot. It's a lot of self-examination. If you've ever filled out an adoption questionnaire, you have to ask yourself because they ask you and they want an honest answer. Like, will you take a child with special needs, either mentally or physically special needs? Um, How about a child that's a different race than you? Mm -hmm. You know, and if so, what will you teach them about their ethnicity, and your ethnicity and how you celebrate their differences.
1: This is before this is us was here to right? show us how to do that.
0: Exactly, you know. So, you know, you have to like examine like, you know, like if if you're a woman carrying a baby and the doctor tells you something's wrong with your baby. Yeah. You know, it's a defect, a deformity, or it's you know, whatever. You've had as a woman carrying a child, you've had that time to bond with that child and it's your child. Yeah. You've connected to it. So you have the baby and you go about your life with whatever that looks like, you know, special classes or whatever for, you know, physical therapies, occupational therapies. But if you have to choose, can you say, I choose that? Mm. So you really do need to do some like self-examination when they ask you these questions. So we filled them out and there was a $250 fee. And that's a lot of money now, but 25 years ago was a lot, of, a lot, a lot of money. Sure. So it sat on the dining room table for probably two months. And every time I'd walk by it, I would like, God, what do you want us to do? Mm-hmm. And I never really felt like I could write the check and send it. And Jean was like, we doing this? What are we doing? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't feel clear about it. So we didn't do anything. And at the time, I was working at the district office for the Assemblies of God in Indiana up on the north side by the pyramids. Candy Watington was my Kind of direct supervisor. And she, her as well as a lot, most of the other women in the office knew that we were undergoing fertility treatments, things like that. So they were praying that God's will would be done or it would work or whatever. And when we finally just gave up that, walked away from it, um, Candy approached me one day and said that there was a woman that had been mentoring a young lady that was pregnant with her third child and didn't really feel that she could be. Um, a parent again to another child. Mm-hmm. Uh, the father was really not in the picture. So we got involved in that situation, hired a lawyer, Some a couple at Lakeview had adopted, so they had referred us to this lawyer, um, pressed into the adoption, um, gave the attorney the retainer. It's a lot of paperwork, a lot of things to sign, and then we found out that the father decided that he wanted to use the baby as leverage, to, so he wouldn't sign his release, okay. um, and it went back and forth for the whole summer of '97. Yes, you're having this baby it was a little girl. The baby was a girl. You get the baby. No, you don't get the baby. You get the baby. No, you oh, don't get
1: the baby. Cruel.
0: Yeah, it was. It was rough. And needless to say, we're psychologically like drained, emotionally drained, all of it. Um, and every day I would get to work, and there would be a fax from my mom, some encouraging word. Mm. Back before, like, the internet, you could email people, you know, and she would send me something just to encourage me, because she, you know, we're going through this in Indianapolis. My mom and dad are five and a half hours away. It just was hard. And the end of, the beginning of October, the baby was due the the end of October. Um, We got a call from our lawyer that said it just wasn't happening. It was the end. He was like, I've done this for 30 years. This is when you call it quits. So, and essentially it was like a loss, you know, that you think you're getting this baby in just a few short weeks, five weeks, and then you're not. And um, we left work. I called Gene, he left work, I left work. And for some strange reason we thought we could eat lunch. So we went to Grindstone Charlie's on Rockville Road and Ron and Doreen Bontrager were there and just happenstance. And they asked us because they had been praying about the situation. And they ask us how it had gone. And we're like, well, we just found out this morning that it is a no-go.
1: And that is when we ran out of time. Uh, you're going to want to hear the end of that story. Hopefully uh, next week is when that one comes out. Paula Fiesel, Part 2. Thank you for listening to the Big C, Little C Podcast. Thank you to Lance Short for the graphic design efforts and to Jessica Albertson for her voiceover talents.
2: listening to Big C, Little C, a podcast from Current Church. For more information, visit currentchurch.net or look for us on Facebook and Instagram. Current Church is located in Franklin, Indiana and meets on Sunday nights at six at the gear. Theme music written and performed by Still the Hand, imaging by Jessica Albertson. Please join us next time for more conversations on Big C, Little C.